welcome to the Julius Baer Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 28th of February with me, Bernadette Anderko. We have a special appearance from Nena Dinic today, who will update us on the equity strategy team's view on Indian equities in the wake of their spectacular performance. But before that, Lucia Cecilovic will start the show with the latest market news. Good morning, Lucia. Good morning, Bernadette. So in the US, let's see, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ ended yesterday's session with modest gains um, as investors prepare for key inflation data to be released later this week. But we actually already had some macro figures from the US yesterday, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So data yesterday showed that orders for durable goods declined more than expected in January, largely due to a big slump in demand for transportation. And then the latest consumer confidence numbers also fell. While consumers are less worried about food and energy prices, they are now concerned about the labor market situation and the U.S. political environment. And then we also received new U.S. home price data, which showed that home prices across the 20 biggest markets in the U.S. posted a slightly higher than expected increase in December. The data releases did raise questions about the stability of the U.S. economy, but generally market moves were muted as investors really wait for the PC deflator to be published tomorrow. What about U.S. Treasuries? I know there are many new issues uh, being brought to the market at the moment. Yeah, you're right, Bernadette. So treasuries were mixed after a $42 billion auction of seven-year notes and yet another big batch of new corporate bonds. In fact, seven more issuers sold U.S. investment grade debt yesterday, basically building on Monday's surge, which saw the most deals in a single day so far this year. And what's interesting is that the flurry of new corporate issuance has given yield-hungry investors plenty of alternatives to treasuries. As of this morning, the two-year yield stands at around 4.7% and the 10-year yield is slightly below 4.3%. Now, coming to some individual company news, uh, the earnings season is slowly coming to an end. We've had more than 90% of the S&P 500 companies having reported results, which on average showed a 7.7% year-on-year growth for earnings per share. But there's quite a bunch of corporate news outside the earnings seasons that's uh, moving markets at the moment, right, Litzia? Yes, there is. So let's start with Apple Bernadette, which is reportedly cancelling its decade-long effort to build an electric car. And this comes as a huge surprise as the company has spent billions on the project and has nearly 2,000 employees working on it. And then Klarna Bank is set to move forward with its plans for a potential US listing that could be one of the largest listings this year. Klarna offers so-called buy-now-pay-later options when you shop online, and the Swedish fintech was once Europe's most valuable startup. And finally, some news out of Switzerland. There are reports out that Swisscom is in advanced talks to acquire Vodafone's Italian business. We haven't talked about Asia-Pacific just yet. I see the Reserve Bank of New Zealand held its official cash rate steady at a 15-year high of 5.5%. What other news have you got from Asia for us? So sticking with yesterday first, the big focus was Japan, where the two-year bond yield climbed to the highest since 2011, after stronger-than-expected inflation boosted bets that the country's long era of negative interest rates could end as early as March. Now, overnight, stocks in Asia-Pacific were mostly lower as a rally in China faltered. 
But the Hang Seng Property Index jumped nearly 2% after Hong Kong is set to remove all of its property cooling measures that have been in place for over a decade. Hong Kong Central Bank has also eased mortgage rules and lowered loan-to-value ratios. And in news out of China, the government is said to be beefing up its national security measures by expanding its protections of state secrets. It remains to be seen what implications this might have on foreign business. So let's take a look at commodities and the world of crypto. Perhaps you could tell us where they stand this morning. So oil prices fell after two days of gains as signs of higher US inventories conflicted with expectations that OPEC Plus will extend supply cuts. Meanwhile, gold prices were little changed, but iron ore resumed its slide as investors remained undecided about the strength of China's demand for steel ahead of the nation's usual peak construction season. Now in crypto, Bitcoin surged past 57,000 US dollar yesterday and it is holding steady so far. Well, Manuel did expect the rally to hold there on uh, yesterday's show. But now and finally, Lucia, what's on the agenda for today? So stock futures in Europe are mostly in the green, which suggests that markets here are shrugging off negative sentiment elsewhere. US futures are still in the red as of now. In terms of economic data, the agenda is still light and the focus is on the PC deflator tomorrow, as mentioned at the beginning. In the Eurozone, consumer confidence data will be in focus today and from the US, we will get US wholesale inventory data. Thanks, Lucia, for this overview this morning. Thanks for having me, Bernadette. So now we're going to talk about something a little bit different, um, emerging market equities. And joining me from the equity strategy team, Nenad Dinic. Welcome to the show, Nenad. Good morning, Bernadette. So, Nenad, considering the global attention on earnings of artificial intelligence and technology companies over the past few weeks, what's been the impact on emerging market equities? And indeed, how is India uniquely positioned in this context? Yes, so the earnings reports of US tech companies over the past few weeks was highly relevant for the emerging market equity universe and actually shaped investor sentiment quite a bit. Some countries were affected more than others. Uh, in Taiwan and South Korea, for example, almost half of the benchmark index is made up of semiconductor companies. So these two countries obviously have a notable exposure to the artificial intelligence theme and reacted more sensitive to the dynamics of US tech companies. And this strong emphasis on earnings reports of individual companies or industries actually raised the question in recent weeks about potential concentration risks and unhealthy market breadth, both in the developed market, but also in the emerging market space. And in this context, India, interestingly, really stands out as the least concentrated equity market. So the stock market in India offers by far the most diversified investment landscape with the lowest dependency on individual companies or sectors. To put this concentration risk into perspective, we can take a closer look at the index composition of some of the major emerging markets across the globe. In Taiwan and South Korea, the top five companies account for 57% and 47% of the index, respectively. In Brazil, it's 43% and in China, 33%. In India, however, the index weight of the five largest companies is by far the lowest with only 20%. And we believe that this supportive index breadth 
with a low index concentration makes India a particularly attractive country investment for investors who seek emerging market equity exposure given the lower reliance on sectors and individual companies compared to other emerging economies. Or in other words, India clearly has the leading position across emerging markets in terms of diversification benefits for investors. Beyond these technical aspects, are there other reasons why India offers an attractive investment opportunity? Yes, indeed. The current macroeconomic backdrop also supports our optimistic outlook for Indian equities. The latest PMI readings for manufacturing services demonstrates the resilience of the Indian economy despite the global slowdown. And moreover, the recently announced interim budget also reiterates the government's continued push to boost capital expenditure-led growth, while also aiming to trim its fiscal deficit. Uh, In fact, consensus expects annual GDP growth of 6.8% in 2024 and 6.3% in 2025, which makes India by far the fastest growing major economy over the coming two years. India's economy is primarily consumption-driven, and we believe this will remain so. But this consumption can become deeper and broader as the economy digitalizes and as manufacturing grows. So as a consequence of increased consumption and the government's effort to boost capital expenditure, we expect significantly more domestic investments into the Indian equity market. And this is also reflected by double-digit earnings growth expectations. Consensus currently estimates that the annual earnings per share will grow around 21% in 2024 and 15% in 2025, which is well above other emerging market peers. And this robust growth outlook is also coupled with a slowdown in inflation, which is currently at a three-month low of 5.1% year-over-year. In addition, with first rate cuts by the US Fed in the near future, we believe this will allow the Reserve Bank of India to ease monetary conditions in the second half of the year. On another note, we think the 2024 Indian general elections is a key event to watch. However, the recent state election results actually reduce the tail risks of a surprise. So the market largely expects a renewed mandate for Prime Minister Modi, which brings potential tailwinds in terms of structural reforms, strategic disinvestments of state-owned enterprises, and continued efforts for public expenditure, while also focusing on fiscal discipline. Even in the case of a government that is not led by the current leading BJP party, We believe that the broad policy direction is unlikely to be changed significantly. Sounds like positive news then. So thank you, Nenad, for joining us today and bringing us these compelling insights into why India's stock market stands out as being worthy of attention. Thank you, Bernadette, for having me. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I hope that you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and, of course, you for listening. Don't forget to join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be back, hosting more of our experts to guide you through what's moving markets. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material 
and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.